0: Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. My name's Simon Craft, and who else
1: is with me? It's me, it's me,
0: it's Ben Aspinall. Now, can I just shock you, Ben? Yeah. I hate stoppage time goals, despite what I said on the last two podcasts. I've gone, I don't know what's happened, but very recently I've gone right off them. Yeah, well it might be to do with the fact that after celebrating two stoppage time winners... In our games against Woking and Dagenham and Redbridge in the last couple of weeks, we conceded a stoppage time equaliser at home against Bromley. Um, that may have something to do with it, and that's what we're going to be covering on this week's pod. Um, yeah, taste of our own medicine in a way. So yeah, we're going to be looking back at the 2-2 against Bromley. And can I just say I'm gutted that I used another day, another Desmond last week, because otherwise that would have been perfect episode title this week. But yeah, we're at double figures. This is episode 10 which is uh which is quite exciting times. And uh, what beer are you having to celebrate then? I'm
1: having a cup of Yorkshire tea with uh one sweetener and a uh,
0: large bottle of orange squash. Right, yeah. I am actually yeah doing the same. Yorkshire tea. No sugars for me. But um yeah, we're we're recording midday this time, so uh, no beer content to bring you. But yeah, let's take a look at York 2, Bromley 2. Uh, This was one I couldn't make for family reasons. First home game I've missed this season. Uh, But luckily, Ben, you were our eyes and ears on the ground at the Mm LNR. I was. um, Delighted to confirm that I'd said the first 30 minutes of
1: this match were the most uh, boring that I've possibly ever seen at a York
0: fixture. Um, Nothing happened. Excellent. Well, this is going to be a short episode then. Uh, Well, let's talk about lineups at least, first of all. So, some changes... Most interesting one was a start for the Burge after mm-hmm. his uh, after his cameo appearance last week. So he was in for Cisiba with um, Paddy moving out to left wing back from midfield. Uh, we did discuss whether we thought Burgess would start last week and we were kind of divided on that. But yeah, a bit of a surprise to see him thrown straight in. Uh, the other change was less surprising, which was John Lewis came in for Adam Marsh after he'd been uh, taken off in the first half at Dagenham. And then in the Bromley lineup, it was nice to see certain Byron Webster in there. A bit of a blast from the past there. But yeah, did you have any thoughts on these lineups? Um, I was equally surprised to see
1: Burgess line up. I thought he'd be another um, substitute coming in, likely in the second half, based purely on a, a match fitness point of view as opposed to anything else. Obviously, we waxed lyrical about his performance um, away at Dagenham Redbridge. I just thought maybe. A whole, you know, a start and a potential full ninety minutes might be a little bit too much, but you know, um, in Adley we trust and uh, Paddy moving to the left wing back position, not his natural position, as we all know. He had a brief stint there, didn't he, in the dying days of Watson, uh, covering at left back when we had uh, no one available to to else, no one else there to cover. So I think uh, the changes along with John Lewis all made a lot of sense, and um,
0: I think you could have pretty much guessed these, couldn't you? But how did you see the first half? been there so i've watched the highlights back there didn't seem to be many clear-cut chances before the goal um you said it was mm-hmm. a fairly dull 30 minutes is there anything in particular to add anyone playing well or not so well or is it literally just uh tumbleweed there's a little there's an element of
1: tumbleweed but um if you want to talk about the actual style of play a little bit um we reverted back to trying to uh probe with the back three uh actually, i should say back four because that didn't include uh young ryan and there uh, with Batty dropping down a little bit as well to try and retrieve the ball. So the York were probing, trying to invite the press and then to try and beat it. And it didn't come off as successful as it has in previous fixtures. How I was, not guilty, but how I was uh, very excited to go along with the channel balls to Dippo and, and Lenny quite quickly, um, as opposed to, uh, to other players. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But it was the um, the patient play uh, that York were indulging in and I kind of want to talk a little bit about because some people are a fan of it. I can absolutely see why, because it can seem a bit stodgy, and a bit slow, and a bit a bit unexciting. But I, you know, they're trying to pro for that mistake. You know, they're trying to wait for your position player to be in the wrong position to not for the right man. And sometimes, you know, the, the break, the, the the beating of the press it can look really, really good. Bromley are well well versed. They're a very decent team. Um, from what we saw of the full 90, I'm not quite certain that they're one of the best teams we've seen this season. Uh, I think, what, what was it, it a fifth or sixth when it came to uh, the LNR at the weekend, I didn't quite see that reflection there, quality of the full 90. But they got, you know, they're there because they're they're a very reasonable team. And uh, yeah, they were very, very disciplined. We didn't make, get much change out of them when it came to trying to play through the press, especially during the first half.
0: Yeah, I guess it was a bit similar to the first half hour against Solihull the week before was... Us having a lot of the ball, but trying to be quite calm and patient, playing out from the back, not taking any risks. I think Ardley seems to be quite risk averse now. He's seen how many goals we've conceded and so on. Um, so I guess yeah, it's it's that way of trying to slow the de- slow the game down a little bit. But in the thirty seventh minute, which I think was possibly our first uh, shot on goal, we took the lead.
1: Yeah. What 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 was so interesting about this goal was uh, the debate that's come up, you know, after it regarding the um, the offside, obviously as you. No doubt would want to say. Uh Lenny puts uh Dippo through. Uh he does a wonderful bit of technique where he puts the goalkeeper on his backside before slotting it past him into uh, into the empty net. The, the the technique for uh Dippo to actually do that, the confidence is oof, just sensational. It's we have always spoke about how great um has been uh, this season, but this was just another bit of evidence to add to the uh, to the dossier of just how out of his league he really, really is to do that uh you know, one-on-one a goalkeeper. Just oof, sensational. But um, I thought it was offside. I will say that live, you know, south stand, so I've not got a great angle for it, but it just seems so... The defence is stopping like that. You know, you place the whistle, I know, but oof, they seem very confident it was offside. So uh, I'm wondering what you thought,
0: Simon, watching it back. Uh, well, just to pull it back a little bit further to talk about the goal itself. It seemed like it was really good work by Dyson near our own area. Mm. where he's sort of under a bit of pressure to get rid of the ball, but he doesn't panic, but plays a little one-two with Burgess, and then he hits it upfield to Dippo, um, who sort of touches it back to John Lewis and then plays Dippo through with the with the ball that may or may not have been offside. But yeah, I just think, you know, Dyson's been subject of debate, as we talked about him last week, but it was a decent bit of work by him there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not panicking, but trying to do the right thing, uh, and it, you know, re- ended up in a goal. In terms of the finish... Yeah, like you say, that's uh you know, it it's the finish of someone who should be playing at higher level, really, isn't it? But I've always <laughs> I've always been fond of um of that kind of doing a little feint to to fake the shot to make the keeper go down and then and then actually hitting one. There was one, which I think we might uh cover fairly soon. I remember uh, Richard Brody's goal against crew in the FA Cup. Not quite the same, but he kind of shapes like he's gonna shoot and then doesn't and then hits it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's that's a great reference. That yeah, I'd forgotten about that goal. Um, but I was massive fan of that at the time. That's that's a great reference. Yeah, I don't think it's as as controlled as what Kippo did on Saturday. There's an element of a, uh, he tries to swing his foot, his right foot, doesn't he? And a keeper goes down, and then he realizes, I just yeah, I can do it now when he gets it into the top corner. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic reference.
0: Yeah, like I say, stay tuned for a possible deep dive into that particular game. But yeah, in terms of the offside. It's difficult to say, obviously I wasn't there in the ground. I've seen people posting screenshots from video and obviously on the highlights they're not level with the players when, you know, the camera angle that you see. So it's clearly close one way or the other. I think that's probably all I can say about it really. People seem to feel it was offside at the time, uh, but it's maybe closer than they thought. I mean, Adley even said in his post-match interview that he thought it was offside, didn't he? Without having those uh, magical VAR lines tracing down from people's armpits. We'll never know definitively, but um, yeah, obviously we conceded a goal that should have been given offside at Woking, so maybe it's uh, karma for that.
1: It all balances out, doesn't it? Yeah, this is very much an old-school, lower-league-slash-non-league, contentious refereeing decision that um, Premier League fans are just simply going to forget exists
0: due to VAR. (laughs) But at least we didn't have to wait around for five minutes to find out if it stood. That's true. Um, So after that, Bromley had a couple of chances. Um, There's a free kick that Whitley saves that was um taken by Lee not a bad save that one and another free kick leads to a chance well I say a chance it's a free kick that sort of floated in and I think it's John Lewis who gets a touch on it to send it just wide of you know Whitley's far post did you see that one in, in front of you yeah uh
1: that's the old sw- you know the old swinger from uh from Lenny and it kind of Panicked, Whitley, doesn't it? Because he, he he rushes across his goal and he's not certain where it's going or who is where. They're ones, you know, they're proper height and mouth moments, aren't they? Right like when you're at the defending team in a set piece like that. So, luckily, there's nobody there, you know, lurking at the far post like there will be later. But uh, yeah, I remember it was
0: the old sharp intake of breath for that one. Yeah, but we did make it through to half time at 1 0. Now, obviously, we've been a goal up at half time a few times this season and it hasn't always ended with a win. So, what were your thoughts at half time here? Were you pleased with how we were playing? I think we, need to, we needed to play a little bit better, fearful very much so of uh, of
1: um, the position in the league of Bromley. I wouldn't say I was nervous. I could see what we were trying to do with our style of play. So um, I think it was all up in the air. I just think the old cliche of what keeping it tight at the back was going to be absolutely crucial uh, for the duration of the second. But you always knew with players like um, with with uh, John Lewis and like Akinyemi would always be a threat on the counter or whether we'd start to turn on the uh, midfield you know, uh, possession play. So I was quietly confident, but, you know, um, with the way that York have been playing this season, there was always that apprehension, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and again, going from the highlights, it seemed like Bromley were fairly on top at the start of the second half, at least. That's very
1: true. They had some chances, didn't they?
0: Yeah, there was a, a couple of decent ones. There was one uh, which was Reynolds, um, which had come from a free kick that they'd swung in from the right, which we failed to clear. Um Ended up falling to Reynolds who did a nice little turn and shot um, and Whitley made quite a decent save, albeit one you'd expect him to make, but still.
1: I think it's a good it's, it's a good save. Um, and I think it's actually a little bit better because it does come through a good number of players, doesn't it, in the penalty area? So you do wonder about how sighted um, Whitley is with the save. So I've got to give him a little bit of credit. You're, you're right. It's a good height for for Whitley and it's not too far away from where it's standing position. But he has to react, um, I think, quicker than we initially think looking at that highlight because of the... Um, the number of people in in play in, uh, in between the ball and the goalkeeper. So I think he deserves a little bit of more credit than usual for that one.
0: Yeah, and they had another decent chance uh, after a counter-attack where I think it's Olamola puts in a cross from the left um, and one of the Bromley attackers didn't quite see who on the highlights but puts a header just wide. Um, Again, very decent chance, that one. And ultimately, they did end up making their pressure pay in the 65th minute when the equaliser went in. So, first kind of key thing is that the ref plays an advantage after... I think it's Batty with a late challenge.
1: Yeah, Batty goes down to, goes to ground, doesn't he? He doesn't get anywhere near the ball. Referee does well. Got to applaud that. He does well to play that advantage. Could have easily pulled it back and
0: Bromley would never have had, had this particular opportunity. So, there's you know, some decent officiating. Following on from that, the ball gets worked to Jones on the left-hand side of the area. And he puts in a low cross into the box, which seems to go past a fair few bodies, mostly City players. I think it maybe gets a deflection of someone. Again, it's hard to say, but it seems to sort of slightly slow down around the time when it's going past Cordner. So whether he gets a touch or whether it's the Bromley player next to I'm not sure. The end result is it finds its way to Michael Cheek at the far post. And um, yeah, he was there to uh, not turn the other cheek, but tap it in for the equaliser. Yeah, he
1: doesn't play a bum note, does he? He uh, finishes quite well. Uh, I'm very annoyed about this goal. I was very, very frustrated in the ground at the time. The highlights have not, you know, have uh, has has not satiated how annoyed I am about it. It's between Smith and it's between McLaughlin regarding who should be on cheek. We know how much of a dangerous striker he is. The fact that he's alone like that in a penalty area, so close to the goal, it's just really, really annoying. Looking at the highlight, yeah, he just finds that space between McLaughlin and Smith, and you should not be having that much room <laughs> as a as a top level uh, national league striker. It uh, should not be having that much room to get a finish away like that with that
0: much ease. Just So annoying. Um, they had another chance not long after. Um, a shot from distance by Whiteley was saved well by Whitley. No, oh, I can't be doing that. That's, that's Potentially could have caused the universe to implode on itself. Imagine imagine them on Countdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was... Um, I mean, he was quite far out, but it was another decent save by Whitley. It was, yeah. I think this is the
1: your... Um... We may have differed slightly on the previous um, effort and save from the highlights from Whitley, but I think this one we we pretty much very much agree on. It's uh, a decent height, it's a decent uh, proximity to, to Whitley, and he does well to get a good strong hand on it. It's the textbook uh, slash dictionary definition with a big, big colourful picture
0: of a decent save. Not long after that, we regained the lead, possibly against the runner of play. Um, but yeah, it's 72 minutes in. And it's all about Tyler Cordner, really, at least at the, the start of this move. So he's bringing the ball out it from defence. Yeah. He plays a little pass to Ryan Fallowfield and then sort of continues his run to overlap on the right of the area. Uh, gets the ball back and then plays it infield to the Burge himself, Scott Burgess, who does a lovely little chip cross to the waiting Lennell John Lewis, who's found his way in between two of their defenders and heads it home. Uh, I mean, this looked like a, a great goal on the highlights.
1: Oh, it was you. You're dead right. It was a great goal. It was a great goal to watch um, from the other uh, side of the action, as it were, compared to the highlights. Because um, what I love about the highlights is, um, if you're watching, these cold. You know, having not been at the match, you've got like you've got the the like, exclamation of like, why on earth is uh, <laughs> Tyler there in the right uh, wing position? But when you're watching it from the south stand, you know to see him do that marauding run you know, watching this, this big lad come into, you know, I'm going to get there. I'm going to go forward for this. I'm going to make things happen. Like, oh, this is exciting. Um, the pass through inside to so Burgess finds him well. Another assist from Burgess to uh, John Lewis. And it's a lovely little dinked cross. He finds, uh, it's very precise. I really like that. It's really, really precise. It finds John Lewis wonderfully. And he has a little header into the, into the top corner. Although I won't say top corner specifically. I think maybe the goalkeeper could have been done a little bit better. For Bromley, not that I'm going to give any sympathy for him because he's an opposition player. But um, I think he just kind of lets it go past him. But, you know, whatever. We're we all the more happy for it. Lenny did his little non-celebration in front of us. Uh, I'm sure he has his reasons for that. It was it was quite uh, good to watch with uh, Dippo jumping on him. And you don't quite catch it in the highlights, but... Um, Burgess runs across from his position where he crossed the ball to join him in the celebrations in the, front of the South Stand. And he was doing um, like a very old fashioned um, little hand wave that, like, the Queen used to do, RIP. You know, the old circular hand wave, the royal wee wave. I don't know why he was doing that, but it amused me anyway. So, um,
0: yeah, good on them all. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was, there were lots of good elements to it. I mean, like I say, Cardinal bringing the ball out and offering that extra man going forward that's going to be difficult for teams to defend against if that's going to be something we're doing regularly because obviously they're not going to have a man to mark you know our centre-back coming through um and yeah the the cross it was quite a small space for Burgess to to actually find the right spot and then yeah Lenny makes it look easy to finish but I don't think it is necessarily easy it's just one that you know he's one that's playing to his strengths I guess.
1: The thing about this point though, is, Simon, uh, this is not picked up in the highlights, is um, at this precise moment, just before the goal, in fact, Adley's lining up his subs, lining up his changes to make and try and change the the flow of the game. And as soon as the celebrations have died down, both Burgess and um, John Lewis are replaced by Harriet and Kennedy. So um, if you still think of the game as 1-1, those are quite positive changes to make. And I just wonder, maybe, with hindsight being the wonderful thing that is, would we want it to make make those changes based on what happens in the 95th minute, based on
0: how the rest of the game went in terms of the play? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, obviously, yeah, that their reward for um, for combining for that goal is is being taken off immediately. And I think there's a similar thing with Castro being taken off immediately after he scored, possibly was it the Bournemouth game? I oh, think. yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess, he, was it maybe a change of shape? Because, obviously, you've got Harry and Kennedy there, sort of wingers. Yeah. It kind,
1: of, it, kind of went to, it kind of went to a 5-2-3 with um, Kennedy and Harriet playing quite wide with, you know, Dippo kind of playing a little bit deeper and closer to the midfield, which was really interesting. But it was a very flat five. Um, Fallerfield and McLaughlin on the other wing were not getting forward whatsoever, so we're very much like, I think we were anticipating the aerial bombardment by keeping five back there, uh, with Dyson and Batty in front of them to, you know, to play in midfield, in the central midfield area. Nothing thing was, again, sorry, I've just said this, but with hindsight, twenty twenty, everything like that, I just wonder perhaps if if John Lewis would have been the better player to keep in on the field uh, to try and you know uh, receive the long balls, long clearances, to hold up play, to bring pacey players into it, and and try and hit on the counter. I don't think we were aiming for the counter. You know, um, after making a substitution, um, I think we then decided to try and to try and dig in. It's going to sound like some very, very strange complaint regarding Diop and Yemi, who is by far the best player that we have in our squad. Um, his hold-up play um, isn't always brilliant. Um, he he did lose the ball on on, on long passes and and um, direct balls more so in the first half. So when he was trying to do it a bit more in the second half, it just wasn't quite paying off in the same way that it would for Lenny. And that's okay because that's they're different players. They offer different strengths. But, um the ball was coming back to us uh, very quickly because um of the lack of it being able to stick up front now it's the last kick of the game that Soros concede you know you'll 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 come on to that in a moment but it was just a little bit frustrating and I, I do just wonder if maybe is is Dipper untouchable could he have gone off instead and expect John Lewis to be the one that holds it all up and bring the, the you know the wider players of Kennedy and um Harriet into the game um, I don't know you know um Imagine taking off Dipper, you, <laughs> you'd be uh, risking some booze from the south stand, wouldn't you? So I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm just kind of you know, theorising regarding the subject, to be totally honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the other thing with if you take Dipper off, you, you're getting rid of one of your key chances to get another on the counter because mm. he only needs, you know, what, two chances to, to score a goal generally. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is either. But you mentioned it was a sort of a flat back five. And I did note down for the next event that we looked like we were sitting back quite a lot which i guess you know it's stoppage time we're in the lead that's inevitably going to happen but it was really telling that you know we were just reverting to old habits of just retreating back so far that you're just inviting the pressure on but yeah so that next event is in the 95th minute it's the disappointing equalizer
1: i think i think uh, i think the worst aspect is uh York fans are very much um, tempting fate with uh, you know singing at the Bromley fans. Is there a fire drill? nah just, just don't do that. I don't believe in stuff like you know preempting fate by you know singing certain songs. But uh, when it goes bad, like on Saturday, it does remind you of it. Yeah, don't sing that
0: until the final whistle, or if there is a fire drill, and then it's just you know. Yes, but that's a, that's helpful. Yeah, that, yeah, I agree. But yeah, it's Pasley who's got the ball. Over near the right touchline, floats a kind of slightly hopeful ball into the box, um, and it just evades everyone and bounces past Whitley into the net. Now, I think you texted me at the time, describing it as a Whitley howler. It looks like a Whitley error on first watch. Maybe it is a Whitley error, but I can I've seen other people criticising other elements of it as well. Maybe you know the ball wasn't put in that high, it could have potentially been headed clear by Cordner or Smith who who were both sort of on that side of the area. Hardly mentioned the defensive line just being too deep as being one of the reasons why um you know we conceded that one. What are your thoughts? Where does the blame lie for this one? It's it's Whitley still still to blame
1: but you cannot absolve uh, Cordner and Smith. It's a strange one. I have um for the first time in in our podcast run, I have watched this goal back a good few times, and once on half speed, just to properly, you know, take it all in. It's it's the fact that or and or Smith, you know, kind of let it bounce, kind of let the ball bounce in a penalty area like that. There's no reason why, um, you know, Kordler could be... I'm, I'm looking at a syllabus right now. Kordler can be... He's looking at the man. He's not looking at the ball. Or oh, maybe he could do better. you can see Smith's, Smith's um, very much looking towards his left uh, again, not looking at but it's like there's a pruder film this. It's like I'm watching um JFK getting shot. Um and then the, the bounce happens and it just bounces underneath with these palms, which is just it's just really bizarre. But yeah, and then there's the ignominy of um cordner and uh with the exchanging words,
0: Smith looking a little bit dejected, the other player just looking completely like bamboozled by what's happening. Yeah, I mean I get that the keeper, I mean you do see those goals go in where it's it's curling in. In a, you know, it's an in-swinger and it just ends up bouncing into the far corner because they're waiting for a touch. And obviously you do have to be there ready for a touch to, to change the course of the ball. But like you say, it's not that far from Whitley. So I feel like could he have adjusted his positioning so that if it does just float through, he's there to collect it. I mean, the other issue is, is, is there not a possibility that Whitley could have
1: like just barged through his defenders to get a fist or a, a, a catch the ball?
0: And that's, Maybe. I mean it's a decent height. That's what I mean. It it wasn't too high that it couldn't have had a headed clearance. And yeah, I think if Stockdale's in goal for that, obviously he didn't have a perfect start to this season. But one thing he does do is sort of dominate his area and, and come for anything that's within claiming distance. I think he yeah, he, he probably tries to come and claim that one. But yeah, it's just another another one where you know, we've we've done a lot of the right things and then we've just been punished by Sort of basic errors, and it's, it's it's just another frustrating one. But yeah, yeah, I agree, and that's 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 the element
1: of it. it's frustrating. I mean, to see the ferocity of in which uh, Whitley and Corner uh, do speak to each other in the clip. I guess if you want to try and take the positive from that, you know, it shows that they
0: give a damn. be you know, about conceding a ninety fifth minute equaliser to uh, to lose two points. Yeah, and that was another thing that Adley picked up on was that he couldn't fault the effort of the players, and he you know he felt they'd played two games a week, three three weeks in a row, and he felt that they'd given everything they could, even if you know mistakes had been made.
1: I, t- I would totally agree with that. I think upon reflection of the whole 90 minutes, there's an argument to be made that it was possibly Corda's best game, if not, I don't know, one of his best games, if not his best game. He did, he did really well. He was crucial for the second, wasn't he? Um, he didn't really give much pocket change to, uh, to the Bromley strikers. So yeah, uh, fair play to, 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 to Corda for uh, playing so well. Yeah, At the end, it definitely did feel like um, two points dropped on that uh, number nine bus back into the York City Centre. Yeah,
0: well, let's look at the tweets uh, to see other people's reaction uh, to that one. So Will Harris, sometime same old City guest, said, would I have taken a point before the game? Yes. Did we play well? Not really. Is Dippo the absolute boy? He is. Is it annoying to concede like that at the death, to be denied two points we didn't deserve? You bet. J286 says, feels like karma for the Dagenham game. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Dips putting the keeper on his backside, then slotting home a real highlight. Rock and Roll Nobody said, I think we're all well aware of the player at fault for the late conceded goal. I appreciate Adley doesn't want to throw anyone under the bus, but if Stockdale isn't fit soon, then we should try Watson. Goalkeeping mistakes have cost us a lot of points already. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's undeniable, but one thing we have pointed out as well in recent weeks is that Whitley has made quite a few saves that not necessarily every other keeper would have done.
1: I would like to add that I have never watched Rory Watson play uh, and I can't speak for all York fans but I'd be willing to bet that not many York fans have seen him play. The reason, I don't think he's better than Ryan Whitley simply because of the fact that he isn't Ryan Whitley. Um, To say he deserves a run in the team is um, a bit of a leap if you ask me to be honest with you. It's not based on anything
0: other than the fact his name is different. But, I mean, yeah, fair point. We have seen quite a few goalkeeping errors in recent weeks. So, you know, there's two sides to that debate. Another tweet from Dave Olsen. 16 points dropped from winning positions this season and only 14 points gained in those games where we've taken the lead. Tells you everything about our inability to kill teams off and hold on to leads. Yeah, that's, that's a fairly damning statistic, that one. One from Steve Hills. We invite pressure on as so little going forward. Hardly abandon his preferred 4-4-2 as we leaked so many goals. If we don't sign a left back this month, we genuinely could be in a relegation battle. Bored of saying it, bored of dropping points. So quite a negative reaction there. Different stance on things by York City Tom here, who said it's all irrelevant. We are on the verge of something big.
1: No doubt, no doubt. Uh, tweeted to us from the uh, the, Illinois, uh, the Azumas train back to uh, back down south of London. Bless him.
0: And last one from Mick Cardukes, which just simply said, "Same old city," and that's the name of the podcast. Ah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that link there. Uh, any final thoughts on on that game? Uh,
1: no, it was very much run of the mill uh, national league fixture. The fact that we keep having these uh, Desmonds and they and we just react to them like with a bit of a non plus shrug of shoulders indicates that even with four goals a game, we're not particularly enamoured or entertained, which is uh, quite surprising. But I am uh, looking a little bit forward. And I've said this to a few people. I'm really ex- happy, a little bit excited now that um, Adley and Cox can like really get their claws into the players without a midweek game for the next. Um, I think it's the next two weeks, isn't it? So we can actually look look at a little bit more of the tactics that can allow some time for players to recover or to to get more, you know, to get fit at the training ground. Need markets, you know, you know, will come on to them a little bit, but hopefully we can change one or two players, maybe try something else in certain areas. Uh, not second too lightly. Obviously, they're um, they're doing well in their division, but maybe to try something a little bit different. Uh, and then you know, when we come back to league action, uh, Eastleigh on the twenty first. Um, hopefully, we can have some players back, and we could be a bit more well drilled in certain areas.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it does raise the question of what system we're going to use when we've got more players fit. Because obviously, we've had four four two, we've had four three three, and then Adley's seemingly had the enforced switch to three five two, but we've had some success with it. So it'll be interesting to see, yeah, the names on the team sheet once there's a, a bigger squad to choose from. Fingers crossed. And also, yeah, what system he goes for. There's a few stats been mentioned so far. I think an interesting one is that so Adley's been in charge for eight games. Now in seven of those we've scored two or more goals, but we've only got three wins. So when you look at it like that, it seems like the problem is fairly straightforward. We're just conceding too many goals. You know, we're we're scoring enough to be at the right end of the table. But if you're Letting into a game, which we we are pretty much you know twenty nine goals conceded from fifteen all season, you're just forcing yourself to have to score three times to win a game, which is just too much. So, I guess the the big dilemma that Adley has is what's causing this and and how to solve it. Any ideas from yourself?
1: He's he's mentioned the defence, hasn't he? In terms of the the personnel, he's voiced frustration in post match interviews um, recently, and that is extra worrying when you consider that uh, two main central defenders uh, were both, you know, bought, you know, we paid fees for these two players. So if he's not happy with them after spending, you know, and it wasn't him that signed them and it wasn't him that spent the money and it wasn't him that wanted to sign these players. But if we're throwing that amount of money back about at certain players and they're not up to scratch, which I mean, you know, I'm, I'm maybe putting words or inferring on Adley's behalf there, which perhaps I shouldn't do. But if he's, you know, if he doesn't believe one of, or maybe both, these two players aren't good enough, then that's it's um, one
0: hell of an expensive mistake potentially, isn't it? But yeah, I think Adley did sound a bit like resigned to the fact that he's not going to be able to build the kind of squad and style that he wants necessarily this season, and it's just a case of muddling through almost, which, yeah, like you say, when we've spent this amount of money, suggests maybe the recruitment's been a bit imbalanced. But yeah, let's let's move on to look at some other news. Now, in particular we've got our now recurring feature that I'd like to return to, which is Ethan Henderson watch. Uh,
1: Ethan Henderson did not play in Atherton Colliery's 4-0 defeat away at North Ferriby in the FA Trophy.
0: Thanks for that update, Ben. Um, yeah, good to know how he's how he's getting on or not as it was this week. I can only assume that we, you know, we've stipulated that he's not to be played in any FA Trophy games because we're saving him for you know, coming on scoring the winner in the final at Wembley come May. Can you imagine? Just a note about the jingle, we've had a lot of positive feedback. People seem to love the, uh, the AI-generated jingle, so that is going to stay. Um, don't worry, we are going to keep that going forward. But let's look ahead to what's happening next in the world of York City. Mentioned it briefly, which is the FA Cup fourth qualifying round tie next Saturday against Needham Market. Now, I have now done a little bit of market research, so I can tell you a few facts about Needham Market. Ben, have you been looking at, at this at all? Um, I've looked up their address. Right. You know where they live? Yep. That's not a th- sorry Sorry, that, that's not a threat. <laughs>
1: it sounded a lot like one. Sorry, no, can you just, I'm going to make that very clear to anyone. That, that I wasn't threatening anyone, but I know where they live. Right, and where where do they live? They live in Suffolk. Right, they play at Bloomfields. Yes, Bloomfields uh, on Quinson Road. They've got an IP um, postcode. I
0: thought you were going to give their IP address. Then, <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to dox a uh, a non-league team? And
1: uh, I'm delighted to confirm that, as per um, Soccerway, uh, you can get in touch with them an email address that is an at sky.com email so uh, you don't see many of them in the wild these days do you yeah
0: you can still find them yeah i've got a couple of facts about needham market so did you know it's a former plague town a plague town well it was um it was a town which initially grew around the wool combing industry until the onset of the plague i'm quoting from wikipedia here which swept the town from 1663 to 1665 to prevent the spread of the disease the town was chained at either end which succeeded in its task, but at the cost of two thirds of the populace. So it sounds like they literally just, um, you know, left left everyone to to rot in Needham Market in the uh, in the 1660s. So try and keep it light side. <laughs> well, you know, they have bounced back since then. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got a, a thriving football club who've been very successful over recent years. After reaching the semi-finals of the FA Vars a few years back. Um, another bit of Needham Market trivia is that. June Brown, who played Dot Cotton, the chain-smoking laundry woman in EastEnders, hails from Needham Market, um, and that fact comes courtesy of Dave Hughes. Mm, that's very interesting. Now, how do these facts sort of contribute to our predictions for the for the game next week? Uh, they don't. Um, I will
1: say that uh, Needham Market were knocked out of the FA Trophy on Saturday by Cray Wanderers, one of the. Uh though Cody's many former clubs. Um, so they're going to be out for cup revenge. They're going to be wanting a proper cup set, but they are also playing on Wednesday. Uh, they're making the long trip to Long Melford to play in something called the, um, the Suffolk FA Premier Cup. So um, hopefully that will, uh, you know, give them a few injuries, a few red cards, and we should hopefully put them to bed quite easily uh, on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I mean... Hardly said that he's gonna be putting out a full strength team for this one, which I was uh, I was pleased to hear. You know, we're not gonna be not gonna be taking him too lightly because, obviously if we can get through a couple of rounds it could be a payday and a cup run would be would be lovely. Some uh, nice little bunts. yeah Um yeah, I'm gonna go into this one. I know not everyone is is thrilled at the prospect of uh, FA Cup qualifying games, but I love the FA Cup, unashamedly. I'm quite happy to be going along to this one. But yeah, you would just hope that we can in a decent performance to see us through to the to the first round where the league clubs come in. What's your official Ben Asmill prediction this time?
1: Well, unfortunately, I won't be at the game in person. This is due to me having tickets to the Keithley and Worth Valley Beer Festival on Saturday. And uh, I am more, I'm more prepared to pay uh, £30 for a beer festival between two sites on a, trail, on a railway line than watch us um, play some Market Town in FA Cup. But, you know, that is the magic of the cup. I am going to put my neck on the line and go for a 3-0 York City win.
0: Ooh. Well, you did you did get it not too far off the Bromley game. You said one all, and it was 2 all, so another decent prediction there. But yeah, we will be reporting back early next week with our thoughts on that game. Other than that, in the w- world of Same Old City, uh, we haven't got any retro Rewind episodes coming out this week because, you know, we're only human. We need a break. But what better opportunity to delve into our previously published Retro content if you haven't already, and if you're really in the need for an extra fix of Ken Twix this week, you've been um appearing on loan for a different podcast, I believe
1: that's correct, yes, um there was an emergency loan um I held up a, a different colored scarf for a, a, a ad hoc photo shoot and um, I made a, a quick appearance um this week on the culture ultras podcast um with two very very funny comedians. Um, and me sticking out like a sore thumb. Uh, I was on on the pod to discuss um, the very famous York City banter era, which has been uh, historically archived by myself on on Twitter as the banter thread. Just on to discuss some of the more famous aspects of the banter thread to give them a little bit of um, colour, a little bit of extra detail. It was lots of good fun. It was um, quite interesting to go back down the last Was it five six years of York City horror shows? I remember that you know. We've had a, bit, a few incidents in the last 12 months, but now that we're kind of in a stable position in the National League, we kind of look back on certain things and laugh. So um, please do give them a listen. Uh, and it's, it's it's not only is it a podcast, it's also a video pod. So you can sit, see me wearing the uh, chocolate and cream away shirt from last season, chatting absolute wham regarding um, Jackie McNamara, pineapples at York City games uh, and Nazi Bollywood films. You can find uh, the Cultures Ultra pod on uh, at the Cultures pod on uh, both Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, and from there, you'll find a link to their YouTube channel to give it a quick watch. So um, hopefully you enjoy that. Um, just be warned, you know, probably don't have that. Give that a watch or a listen with children about. There is some um, rather choice language, a bit more adult content, shall we say. But it was a really, really uh, good fun experience, you know, spreading the good word of York City.
0: Yeah, look, looking forward to giving that one a listen. i also like to mention the latest issue of Y Front Fanzine uh, features a fan profile of former Same Old City guest Ben Robinson. Um, so do check that out. Do buy a copy. Um, I mean, buy a copy anyway whenever it comes out because, you know, support independent York City voices and it's always a good read. And I think, Ben, you did you want to give a shout-out to York Tap? Yes,
1: I, I was papped in public. After the game on Saturday, when I was in the York tap awaiting my train uh, back to West Yorkshire, a um, young man behind the bar, unprompted, mentioned to me as he was serving, it was a massive fan, uh, fan of the podcast, which was really nice, very humbling. Um, I don't, I don't often get embarrassed. I don't often, you know, go red with shyness, but. Um, Yes, I was I was uh, very taken aback by that and very very moved. So thank you to that young man. And then um, also a few minutes later, York Tap started following us on Twitter. So I don't think the two events events are unrelated. But yeah, thank you for that feedback. Um, it was greatly appreciated. And yes, uh, York Tap, possibly one of my favourite pubs in York. Um, you know, when you're getting into the city or leaving, it's always good to pop in there for um, really really good quality beer. So uh, that was yeah, that was one of my highlights of the weekend.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of just stress this is not a uh, sponsored ad. Not yet, anyway. Well, yeah. Still, there's always time. (laughs) Uh, Also wanted to just mention again that we are very, very close to 500 followers on on Twitter. Or I guess I should call it X now, but I still call Starburst Opal Fruits. So probably not going to be doing that anytime in the next 20 years. Um, So yes, if you can, give us some retweets. Tell people you know who are City fans. You know, give us a follow. Give us a listen. We have got a very special prize lined up for the 500th follower, I think, don't we, Ben? Um, you've assured me of this, Simon. I don't want to put my name to it in case,
1: um, you know, um, they receive the gift and they're very angry. So you say they've got a very you know special gift awaiting them when they follow the account. I'm going to leave that with you.
0: I- I'm going to be honest. I don't know what this, this prize is going to be, either, but <laughs> we will think of something. Is it going to be a box mailed
1: some with a giant question mark on the side? Well, not anymore.
0: but yes thanks as always for your engagement on twitter and where can i find us on social media Simon? oh you can find us at at same old city pod on both twitter or x and instagram as well yeah at the time of recording we're on 495 followers so very close to that mark and we've made it to double figures in episodes yeah i mean more if you include the retro stuff but yeah uh, another nice landmark would be getting to that 500
1: it has yeah it's been um the top two derby season so far, we've not quite reached the heights that we wanted to in in the league, but we've, it's been fun discussing it and and it's been fun dis- uh, sharing our thoughts with fellow city fans and you know uh, getting to know plenty more city fans via social media. So we've enjoyed it, and here's to uh, here's to many many more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, until next time,
1: keep the faith.